Welcome to what I can only describe as a very, very special podcast. Today, we're celebrating 60 years in business for SES Engineering Services, established on the 19th of April, 1961. To help us to celebrate, to help us to explore the journey, and to help us to understand how the business has evolved and developed over that time, we've got four very special guests. So in order of years' service, we've got Dave Stroyer, we've got Sarah Jones, we've got Steve Joyce, the boss, and we've got Megan Bailey, who's relatively new to the whole thing. And we're going to explore with them what the world looked like when they started, what SES looked like when they started, and how things have changed and developed over that 60-year period, or much of that 60-year period, when we work out how long Dave's been here. So without further ado, welcome to the 60th birthday celebration podcast. Hello. Hi. Good to see you. We've also got Julie Payne, who's observing. She didn't want to participate because she said she's not been here at a particular time scale that is an additional sort of value. So we've got the longest serving and one of the shortest serving and a few people in between. So let's start with the ups and downs of business. 60 years, you'll have seen a hell of a lot. You'll have seen recessions. You'll have seen booms. You'll have seen changes of ownership. We, we know what happened last year with the pandemic and everything else that's in between that. But we're going to start by exploring Dave Stroyer. Dave, welcome. Hello. Good to see you again. I haven't seen you for a while. Um, I didn't know if you knew this, but according to your service records, you're the longest serving staff member in SES right now. 22nd of July, 1974, nearly 47 years. Let that sink in a bit, Dave. Nearly 47 mm. years. How does that feel? Strange, really. It, 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 it all, almost feels like yesterday. You know, it, it, it's flown by, to be fair. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to explore things around 1974. We're going to explore things around the work environment. I'm going to ask you a little question on a, on a, on a, a cultural uh, reference point as well, if you can call pop music cultural. Um, can you remember when you moved into the role SES, what was your first role? And what, if anything, do you remember about your first day? My first day at work, I had to report to the old Skeldier office uh, and to report to Dave Matthew and the payroll clerk. Mm -hmm. um, I cycled there with my lunchbox and everything, <laughs> locked, locked the bike to the railings outside, Hung around because the doors were all locked. Eventually, because I was there, I was early. <laughs> I was actually there for eight, and um, eventually, Dave turned up, signed me on, and said he needs to go to the stores at Eber Street. And I stood there wondering what the stores were at Eber Street. And suddenly, this fella appeared with another another man. It was it was Bill Bean, or Big Bill Bean, as he was known, because there was two Bill Beans, and then. Um, there was another fella called Bill Johnson. So we jumped in this car, drove down there, and they were they were busy talking away. I couldn't get a word in edgeways to say, I'd got me bike. Just tell me where it is. I could make my own way there. <laughs> so I got to the stores, told them all this tale, and I was promptly driven back. And I, I rode back to the place on my bike. And I started working there for the for the first three weeks. I was in the as the I was the storeman because um the storeman was off ill at that time called Bill Holiday or somebody. So that was my very first day at work. 
My question is, did you have to be called Bill to work at SES in 1974? There seems to be an awful lot of Bills around. And two Bill Beans, who'd have thought? Yeah, two Bill Beans. Bill, big Bill Bean and little Billy Bean. Yeah, they, they, they were, you might remember them, Sarah, but the uh, no. they were characters. She's not claiming any knowledge of anyone called Bill Bean, is she, to be fair? So that's fair, that's fair, fair point, really. So um, so your first day at work was Storman. Is that, yes. is, that, is that the job you applied for, or were you applying for something else, or were you, how did it work? Well, I actually wanted to be an electrician. Mm-hmm. And uh, my sister uh, worked at Bluebridge Lane, and she got me some application forms, but... She brought them home and she says 70 odd people have applied to be electrical apprentices. There's only three or four applied to be a plumber or heating engineer. Mm. You're more chance of getting that job, I've been told. <laughs> so my father says, get yourself a job, lad. So I, next thing I know, I've, I've applied to be this plumber heating engineer, which I didn't know the first thing about. I think that's often the case when you're young, isn't it? You turn up and, and you're sort of applying yeah. for a job and you hope. I know I did a, a podcast with Steve recently and I think his, his mum put him forward for a job. He didn't even know what it was and he turned <laughs> up and he didn't know what that was about either. So just 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 try and paint a picture for the audience about your work environment. We didn't have mobile phones, a long way off the internet, no personal computers, fax machines, very little automation, no off-site manufacturing. What was the work environment like? You know, what were, it, you, what were you working with? It, the, most of the work I did um, in my apprenticeship, we worked on shepherd sites, and, to, and, and I'm not just saying this because it was shepherd sites. They were reasonably clean, and you know, the, especially the site accommodation. However, um, you know, some of the people you work with weren't so good. <laughs> and regarding telephone things, um, you, nobody had phones, and um, you used to get letters to tell you where you were working or. <laughs> Um, we had um, a unit manager at that stage called Boris Hunter and his uh, and Alex Giles. They used to call around at your house, knock on the door and say, you're going to Leeds tomorrow or whatever. Or, or, and bring paperwork, tools, and um, sometimes fittings and things. I once had to strap a cast iron bend on the back of my moped and take it to Elvington where I was going with another fella to go to Scunthorpe. Listen, I'm looking at Megan's face, and Megan's looking and going, "We just, we just WhatsApp you. Why wouldn't you do it anyway?" That's that's an, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good picture to paint. That to be fair, um, what do you think's been the best and most effective development? You know, what's the thing that you have seen most that's most beneficial to you over that 47 years? Then, Dave. Well, there's several. I, I made some notes, but what I've noticed, and it maybe is. Um, there wasn't a day seemed to go by you you, you didn't hear about an injury or some or some sort of accident mm. on the building sites, and I, I noticed straight away that, that SES seems to have always picked up on picked on that quickly, and we and I think we've got an impeccable record in that respect. And mm. um, all the time I've actually worked been at work for SES, I've already actually had one injury when mm. I was just out of my time working in Newcastle actually. But, um, you know, I think that that was that one. The next one was power tools as well. We used to, we used to drill walls with, and concrete and brick walls with uh, roll tools and a hammer and, um, and thread a two-inch steel pipe um, with, with hand stocks. Wow. 
um, and that was hard work. And um, but now there's all these power tools, the labour-saving tools, and, and things like that, and then all the the new innovations, uh, the all the plastic pipes and plastic conduits, all these things. Have, the, the time they've saved is unbelievable, really. So it's been evolution. When did power tools start kicking in on the sites then, Dave? I would have thought, I don't know, because I just assumed power well, tools were around, but... SES were like, I would say, that the, at the forefront of that because they had their own, at Eber Street, they had their own Flans Hire Centre. and um, ah, right. And everything was switching to the 110 volts. So we were, apart from when you were on a middle of nowhere site, you, we did have power tools, you know, which... But which became the norm, and now we've got the battery tools and everything, which is even easier. You know. Okay. Quick, quick final question, I guess, on 1974. What was happening in the world in 1974 then? Can you remember some of the headlines? And I'm guessing three-day weeks and strikes and stuff was at the time of that? It was definitely a three-day week, two elections. I remember that, but I couldn't mm. vote. I remember talking to my mother and... Um, it was a strange year, really, for me, 1974. Just before I actually um, started work, my father died, and um, oh. it was a strange year. But mm. um, I remember my mother um, waking me up on the Easter holidays. I was on holidays to, at school, and she says, there's a letter you've got to answer, open it. So I opened it, and it was from SES to say I'd got the job. Mm. So she ran down to tell my father, you know, that uh, I'd got the job, and he died three days later. It was just, you know odd time but at least you know he when he went he was proud of the fact i guess that you found your first job asking yeah. him to get one so that's a good a good yeah. sort of uh end to that i guess um, yes. troubled time 74 weren't there but number one in the pop charts let's finish with that for now dave well, um i've done a bit of research i know you did but I'm, I'm not going to ask you what it was i'm just going to play it for you I'm, right, looking at, I'm looking at megan's this is this is a 70s soul classic okay so <laughs> that's enough of that right that's rocky baby by george <laughs> mccrae and if i'm not mistaken i do believe that was one of the top selling singles of this the entire 70s it was everywhere yeah. that i can just imagine you riding on your bike to work but you couldn't listen to it because walkman's hadn't been invented though had the day so we'll move on from we'll move on from that so next on the list and we're going to move around later but next on the list is sarah so sarah you started SES in the 80s on the 21st of October, 1982. So 38 years, uh, uh, and, and to be precise. Um, they often say that if you can remember the 80s, you weren't there. That's a phrase that people say about the 80s. What can you remember about your own first day and what was the workplace like at the time? To be honest, Nick, I can't really remember my first day. Mm -hmm. um, I do remember, obviously, um, the first few weeks um, I started as a post girl um, for the Shepherd Group mm -hmm. uh, down Bluebridge Lane. Um, so, yeah, my, my first manager was a lady called Miss Gibson, who was very, very strict. Um, so, so, yeah, I used to deliver the post. I used to have my little green bag um, and go around the offices delivering the post. Um, Bluebridge Lane... Was that across multi-sites or was that just, were you like walking no. around York or just on one big site? No, it was just on one big site, yeah. 
Um, but the office at Bluebridge Lane was like a rabbit warren. Um, and I, I always remember thinking I'm never going to remember where, you know, every department was. But yeah. uh, I did get used to it. But yeah, I did. it, it did feel, I, I remember the first few weeks, it was, it, the place felt very formal. Um, mm. I do remember, you know, everybody had to be, you couldn't ever call anybody by the Christian names. It had to be Mr, Mrs, Miss. You know, um, and all the Shepherd family were based from the head office as well. Right. Um, so you had to greet them with the, you know, good morning, Sir Peter, good morning, Mr. Colin, for the Shepherd family. That's one thing that sticks in my mind. It being right. very formal. Okay, that does sound. That does sound. Did you practice your curtsy on a regular basis, Sarah? Was that something you had to do? Or? <laughs> I did. <laughs> Okay, eighties might be a little bit early. Did you have a file of facts? Do you know what? I didn't have a file of facts. No, I wasn't no. one of the cool kids, so no, I didn't have one of those. No. I just explained to Megan and some of the younger listeners a file of facts is basically a paper version of your iPhone. It's basically it's basically uh, uh, like a, a little folder. It's got everything in there: calendars and dates and reminders and tasks and all that kind of thing. And they were they were very sort of cool and and trendy in the in the eighties. Maybe a little bit later than the eighty two, I suspect. Okay, um, <laughs> so talk to us about the technology. I know you work in the post room, but there must have been you must have been developing on from there over your early career into working with you know other things. What what was the technology, if anything, that you had there? Um, well, I, I was in the post room for a few months and then uh, I was promoted to work on the switchboard, uh -huh. um, which was a switchboard with lots of um, wires and plugs. Wow. Um, very old fashioned. I think the only place you'll see them now is in a museum. Yeah. I think they've got one in the Castle Museum in York. <laughs> Can I ask you, was it, did it feel old fashioned even in the 80s or was it, was it, was it sort of cutting edge then? No, it didn't feel old-fashioned at the time. No, I mean, oh. I was on the switchboard for a long time um, and pro probably for about 15 years. But for the first five years, it, that, yeah, it was it, it was the in thing. Yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. I, I've got a note about carbon paper only because I'm, I'm obsessed with yep. what an absolute complete nightmare carbon paper. Do you remember carbon paper from your office days, sir, in the 80s? I do remember <laughs> carbon paper. Yeah, we had typewriters, um a lot of carbon paper yeah i do remember that all i'm going to do again explain to the younger listeners instead of having a photocopier <laughs> or taking a photograph with your phone you'd have a piece of blue carbon sticky sort of messy paper behind an, an original piece and as you wrote or typed on it you get a duplicate and it was all messy you, you knew somebody who worked with carbon paper they just walked around with blue hands all day <laughs> absolute mess wasn't it really so what were your first impressions apart from being formal did, did it feel like you had a career option ahead of you did, early on did it feel like I can see myself being here a long time I'm happy I'm settled yeah definitely yeah I mean as I say um started in the post room and then went on to the switchboard it was it did feel like a, a I mean, it was a family firm, but it did feel as if, as if you were part of a family, definitely, mm. yeah. Okay. Uh, both my, you know, my mum and dad, well, my dad worked for Shepherd Construction. My mum worked for SES. Um, so it, it, it felt part of the family anyway, but it did feel like, a, yeah, a big good. family, really. Good. So I think there was a lot of that, wasn't there, at the time, mm. where people were bringing your family members were starting and coming in, and if you were called Bill, you were definitely in. Um <laughs> 
I guess um, one of the things I want to explore with, I guess, with Dave, Sarah and, and Steve to a certain extent is people used to be able to smoke in the office, didn't they? They used to be able to smoke yeah. with in front of people. Now, yeah. again, Megan, Megan looks horrified, right? <laughs> you can sit next to somebody in an open plan office. Someone's just yeah. chain smoking 40 woodbines yeah. a day right in front mm-hmm. of you. Do you remember that? And what was the reaction to that? Did it feel odd or normal? Dave, you've been here the longest. What was smoking in the workplace like for you? Did, did you smoke yourself? I didn't smoke, but um, I do remember being on the sites and then in other places. It, it never, you never really noticed it, to be fair. Uh, apart from a fella called Big Frank, electrician, he never had a cigarette out of his mouth. But um, when I went started in the office, uh, full-time um, for SES I was in Prudential House and I sat next to a fellow called Don Lawson who, who smoked like a chimney Yeah, and I remember going home and my mother saying to me because I was still um, I think I wasn't married by that and she says well you don't smoke have you started smoking I said no, no. you stink of smoke and yeah. it was it was from um sitting there done all the time you know that's the memory i remember of it and then later on it was sort of banned wasn't it in the offices and etc well i i think the, the the time you noticed about smoking in the office is when people couldn't and you didn't have to go home and you didn't have to wash your clothes because you used to stink didn't you when you went home sat next mm. to somebody megan give us a younger person's view on does that does that even sound plausible that people would sit next to you and light up and chain smoke all day i can't believe that even that was a thing it's just crazy. It, no, it, I can't it, imagine it. It was, and it was. I mean, even into the nineties, Steve, it was still happening. I think it got. I think it got banned in these offices in early two thousand and two or something. So, yeah. you got experience with that, Steve, in terms of smoking on on site and smoking in the office. I think by that time they created the smoke rooms, so um, you weren't allowed to smoke in the offices, but there were specific rooms. So, in the cabins on site as well, you had a smoking and a non-smoking cabin and obviously the non-smoking was always empty and the smoking one was always full <laughs> but I was I used to sit in the non-smoking one and you have to cut you have to cut your way through with some tools to get into the smoke through the one that yeah I remember I remember those things as well I'm going to go back to Sarah because I didn't quite finish with your sort of experiences of, of, of your sort of uh, career really what do you think has been some of the most Im- important developments you've been 38 years at SES what have you what would you vote on your top three things of you know things that have made a difference? I think I think the main thing is, um, for me, is technology. You know, from when I started, there was, I always remember um, one of the first, um, you wouldn't call it a computer, but the first piece of machinery I used was a, a, a telex machine, right? Um, which is sort of like the email of today, really. And it used mm. to be a, a, a typewriter and it used to bring out this piece of white paper um, and then you'd have to feed that back into the machine to send the message. Um, so, you know, I mean, obviously technology has come such a long way. Yeah. Um, there was, you know, there was no mobile phones, um, you know, fax machines, emails, nothing like that. We were a long way off, weren't we? A long way off mobile yeah. phones and a long way. I mean, I can't remember fax machines came in, but we're still a fair way off fax machines, weren't we, really? And again, to explain for the younger listeners, a fax is a machine that you put a piece of paper in it gets very hot, and after a little while, the letters just fall off and fade. So, you know, that was a way of communicating before email and stuff. So so the technology has been a, a real advancement for you, Sarah. Would you say that's made your life and job easier as you go through? Obviously, that's probably a good answer. 
Definitely a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. Well, just going back to 82, can you remember anything that was going on in the world apart from the music? So I'm going to play your number one on the day. <laughs> but what, what was going on in the world in 82? Can you remember? Um, I remember the Falkland, Falkland War. I think yeah. that that was earlier than my, that I just um, that finished by the time I started work. Yeah. Um, but that was around the time, um, 82. Um, I think locally, the, the the big thing for York was the the York floods. It was it was the worst year. It was mm. 1982 mm. for the floods, and the office where we worked down Bluebridge Lane actually led down to the river. Um, and more often than not, the print room, which was at the bottom of Bluebridge Lane, mm. um, was usually under six seven feet of flood water. Um, but I do that does stick in my mind. I do remember, yeah, the York yeah. floods. Yeah, you, you, you'd, you'd probably think with all that machinery in a print room, they'd have moved the print room if that was the <laughs> yeah. one that was going to be underwater on a regular basis because we didn't have flood defenses in York until well no, after that, did we? So uh, there was some civil unrest in the eight in early eighties. You know, the toxic riots and you know mm-hmm. various other things going on. But uh, to cut through that, we have your number one on the day you started work. I'm going to play this. This is a classic. People will remember and, and know what this is. So. <laughs> I don't want to talk over it. We've got to get to the intro. Come on. Megan looks bemused. We've got to get the dumb dumb, haven't we? I'll turn it off now so that was number one and again a classic for the 80s very memorable dance floor filler full work so that was going on when you started we're going to come to steve now in chronological order so we move into the 90s steve so we're doing quite good with the decades and um steve you started on the 21st of february 1970 no, 1994 sorry so 27 years ago um how quickly has that gone like a catherine wheel <laughs> It's faster towards the end. <laughs> that, that is a brilliant, brilliant, like Catherine. Yeah. That's a brilliant description. <laughs> what, do you, what did you start? What, what was your job when you started SES and where were you based? You, you know what? My phone's ringing. Um, I answered an advert in the uh, in the local paper to uh, for electricians wanted in the Newcastle area. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got an interview and I went for the, it said electricians and supervisors wanted. So I went for the interview and there was about 15, 20 people there waiting for the interview. And it was the first time other than a wedding or a funeral that I'd ever put a suit on. And um, I turned up, I looked like I'd just escaped from the local prison with this, with this suit. It was just didn't fit us really. And uh, I turned up for the interview and when I got in there, the two guys, it was Ted Cowell and Jeff Shaw who were who were interviewing, and uh, I got into the interview and they started. I'd actually applied for the electrician job and they started interviewing us for the supervisor foreman job. So I thought I'm just, I'm just gonna go along with it. So I go along with this uh, interview and I thought I've blown it. Yeah, I remember one of the questions asked us when uh, 
And it was Findus in Long Benton. It was a food factory at Findus in Long Benton. Mm. A new job, just starting there. And uh, one of the questions that I asked was if you were, if you had to call all of the guys out after bait time when they'd finished their bait to get them out of work, and there was 40 guys in a cabin, and you went in to call them out and they refused to go, what would you do? And uh, I just off the top of my head, I just said I'd, I'd smoke them out. And uh, the two of them just looked at each other as if to say, we've got here. Yeah. So anyway, I thought, I thought I'd blown this job, like, you know, so um, I went home and on that night, uh, Jeff Shaw rang us and just said, look, you've got the job as a supervisor. And I went the next week and I, I'd only done it once before um, at another business and I just I just took to it and, and made it work, really. So did that give you early aspirations of one day being in charge and running the business then, Steve? Not, not really. Um, and, I, and I say that with uh, with a bit of tongue in cheek because I was always wanting to, I was always wanting to do more. Whatever I've done, done, I've always wanted to do more. I'd like to win it, whatever I do. So not really, but I, 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 Sue always says to us, wherever I am, Sue's my wife, by the way, wherever I am, where I see somebody doing something, I always think of an easier way that that they should have done it. And she said, the only thing you ever do is do it yourself. Um, so uh, there's a point. I'm going I'm to take you back a step. Are you responsible for the heinous Findus crispy pancakes that were foisted on us in the 90s and the early 2000s as substituting for food stuff? Are you responsible even, for that? Even better than that, can you not remember the the Findus French bed bread pizzas? Oh, God. Findus French bread pizzas. So, there were, so uh, there's a good story about that. We used to sit on a Monday morning with the with the food production control factory every Monday morning because they didn't want what we were doing to affect the production in the factory. And mm -hmm. then this morning they said, we've got a bit of a problem. We're losing product in the lines. And the, the, the lines were all of the, the cooked pizzas used to go through all of the whole of the factory on this conveyor belt. And it used to end up in the finished goods where they used to pack and put them in lorries. And if they lost the product, it had fell off the conveyor belt somewhere on the line and it could potentially go mouldy. Um, they said if we start losing any more product, we're going to have to shut the line down and it costs £100,000 an hour to shut the line down. And I, Anyway, I went out of the out of the meeting and went up onto the, the walk on the floor and the ceiling void. And there's our guy sitting. They cut a hatch, an access hatch in the in one of the lines and they were sitting at bed time eating French bread pizza. <laughs> so I hurriedly told them that it was going to cost £100,000. That that's an expensive expensive bait break, isn't it? Really? Okay. Uh -huh. So, workplace in 1994. Technology starting. Desktop PCs, network printers, fax machines. What 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 can you remember having access to in in the early days with you, Steve? So that year was the beginning of it, really. Um, mm. We got the first fax machine on site after about a couple of months of being there, and we all sat around this fax machine and somebody in our head office in York sent a fax and it came through and it just had hello from York. And everyone was like amazed at this little bit of paper. It was almost like a lunar landing experience. You know, you're thinking, how, how did that happen? Uh, so, wow. so yeah, we had that. And then uh, we've got, we've got a few months later, I've got the, got the first PC and you only had one PC for the whole site. Yeah. And uh, I remember Clive Rigglesworth was a mechanical guy on that site. It was on his desk. And uh, anyway, he had it on his desk for about a week. 
and uh, he plugged it into the mains. But in those days, you have to plug it into. You used to have to plug your your PC into the the telephone outlet. Mm. Everything done done over the telephone line. Anyway, the phone up and asked how he's getting on with it. He said, "Well, look, it hasn't done anything for a week." He said, "It's just got this little green flashing dot." On it. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, listen, early days of technology, everybody had that, didn't they? I mean, we now take stuff for granted, and a lot of technology is really intuitive. You, you open an iPhone out the box, and it does everything it needs to do for you, and then it loads all your stuff for you. And you're thinking it's like witchcraft, really. But in the early days, it was. You had to have a little bit of something about you, really. Um, first mobile phone, when did you get one of those? And how big was it? Well, the first one, I've got a little demonstration for you, actually. But the, the first one was the size of a small shoebox. Um, and again, you didn't get one yourself. It was a Motorola one. It was about, you know, that big. Yeah. Um, you didn't, you came with a, a battery that you needed a forklift truck with, put it in the back of your car. Um, <laughs> And you've got one to share for the whole site. So if somebody was going on site, they had to carry this huge battery in the mobile phone so they could so they could phone phone up and or if they were going off site. So that was the first one. Yeah. And this, I, 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 I'm in the office today, and I was rooting about the drawers just before we started. And this was the first BlackBerry. Oh um, wow! Oh, were you a BlackBerry? You were a BlackBerry guy. Were you in the early days? Yeah. So still got it. It's probably worth a few quid now, that, do you think? I'll be, I'll be honest with you. If you plug it in, the battery's probably still working. They had a really good battery life in the bath. In the bath. <laughs> probably. Probably. Yeah. Okay. And then, then, and then, sorry, carry on. No, no. Where, where, where did that evolve to? Because you're not a BlackBerry guy now, are you? No, so we're all on, I mean, everyone's iPads and uh, and laptops and, 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 and iPhones and everything. But I also picked up a few of these as well, which, uh, which I don't know if you can see them. What are they? In those, those, these are these are the old diaries that everyone used to have. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> nobody, has, nobody has diaries anymore, do they? They use their phone yeah. the diaries, and I've got in in my drawer there was uh, there's about twenty diaries. Um, so over the first twenty years, everybody used a diary. Well, I'm going to explain to Megan and the younger listeners: a diary is like a printed version in on paper of what's on your iPhone or what's on your smartphone, <laughs> telling you where to be on any given time or day. So, uh, and 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 we used to use Tipex as well. Now, Tipex is like liquid white. You know what Tipex is, don't you? Of course, you do. But again, the way things have moved on over those years. So, what do you think in your role as as MD has been the biggest achievement of the business in that time you've been there, Stephen? What do you reckon has been the biggest development for the business? So achievement, I was looking at this a couple of weeks ago, you know, when you were coming up with 60 years and there's not many businesses survive 60 years Mm. Um, because of all the things I talked about earlier, because of change of ownership, because of uh, recessions, because of pandemics, because of, I think we've been through three decent-sized recessions, the 2008-9 one being probably mm. the worst one mm. where that went. So I think the biggest achievement um, is getting through all of that and still surviving with a lot of um, – we've got a lot of long-term people in the business as well, which is a really good thing. People, you know, I think the average average year – it's average of 10 years' employment in the business, so mm. some people are 30, some people are, are more. Um, and then technology – um, now we're into um, headsets and virtual reality for projects now as opposed to anything. Most of our projects are in 3D virtual reality now that you can, yeah. you can see them before you, you build them. 
I used to work. I used to work with a design company in maybe two thousand and four, two thousand and five, in the early days of three D. And it used to take them about 24, 48 hours to render a, a, a drawing. You know, to do the three D, and it'd be with you in two or three days when it all renders itself. Nowadays, it's instant and virtual reality is fabulous on that basis. Um, what was happening in '92 when you started Steve in the world? And now I'll play that. I'll play the hideous song that was number one on the day you started. What, what was happening? I'm going to go for the Euros. The 90, Euros in '92. I think it was Italy. I think it was Italy in '92. It was. Um, that's, that's where we didn't win a game, and it was the "Do I not like that Graham Taylor potato head?" Wasn't it '92? Yeah, I'm sure Jack Charlton was involved in Ireland at that time as well. I think he was. I think we also had uh, the the um, Thatcher and John Major years and all that kind of thing. Previous, previous to sort of what we call Britpop and, and and the sort of new labour, etc. So the early days of that. This was number one on the day you were starting work, and it's just quite simply hideous. Yeah, that's enough, Mariah. Mariah <laughs> Carey, I can't... <laughs> right. Wow. So I, I don't associate you with songs of that type, Steve, so hopefully, you know, I, I'm, I'm quite... I think da I can see Dave doing the old, uh, you know, Rocky Baby, and I can see Sarah dancing around to Culture <laughs> Club, but I can't see you being a big fan of Mariah Carey, Steve. No, no. Queen was my band in them days. Okay, well, we're going to go on to Megan. Last but far from least, Megan. So... Let's get the easy one out of the way first, okay? Um, you started SES on the 20th of October, 2020. Um, was anything major happening in 2020? What, you know, I don't know, world events? What's, hap what's happened in 2020, Megan? Anything that we should be aware of and should remember? Just a global pandemic. <laughs> global pandemic, yeah, okay. What a time, what a time to start, <laughs> start your work, okay? So we're going to explore a bit of that. Um, what's it been like? Because I guess you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what's normal, do you? Because this is far from normal. Are you what's what's your role there, Megan? What are you doing at SES? I deal with the pre-construction and proposals for the northern region. Mm -hmm. so, is yeah. that are you at home or in the office or a bit of both or a little bit of both, bit right. of everything? Okay, but site work. Would you be? Would the job normally involve you going out to site at some stage? Normally a little bit, yeah. Obviously, I've, I think I've been twice so far. Yeah. So not I'm, a lot. I'm looking at Steve. Steve's smiling. That's far from normal, isn't it, for the control, <laughs> Steve, you would say, you know. But you don't know that until you've done the role. Does it feel odd or does it just feel you don't know any different, Megan? I'm, I'm intrigued as to how it feels starting a new role right in the middle of a global pandemic, really. Um, it's had its pros and cons, of course, everything does. Um, I wouldn't really say cons, but I came from a totally different industry. So it's been great because I've just kind of been weaned in. Mm -hmm. um, but it is crazy because the, the team that I do work with, it's been six months now and I still haven't met them. <laughs> um, luckily, we have technology and I yeah. can see the little faces on a little screen. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it is a bit crazy not... Not meeting everyone yet. Yeah. Well, to be fair, if you'd started in 1994, you could have faxed each other a picture of yourself. <laughs> didn't you? Okay, then. But uh, okay. Um, what what first attracted you to SES? Then you mentioned coming from a different industry. What was it about 
well, first of all, brave decision moving in a pandemic. Well, what first attracted you to SES as a business? Um, it was kind of word of mouth. Um, I, I wanted to complete change from, I was a beautician mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to complete change and a challenge. Um, I've always loved the kind of creative side of things. I used to study photography as well. Mm-hmm. So that fits in nicely with uh, my job now. And it all just kind of fell into place. Good stuff. First impressions then, you're several months in. How does it feel? Amazing. I absolutely love it. I love my little team. I love everyone else. Um, but like I say, coming from something totally different, they've been so supportive um, and patient. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I mean, everyone's on the learning curve. And I guess I like the fact that you love your team, but you haven't met them. Hope that stays the same <laughs> when you do get to meet them. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Yeah. I, know, I know a few of them. Um, I'm going to ask you a little bit later about the song because we don't have charts anymore. Yeah. But I'm going to ask you what piece of technology could you not live without? Because we've talked about the fact that most people on this call didn't have, certainly on the start of their careers, the technology we take for granted now. So what piece of technology do you reckon you couldn't live without, Megan? Um, on a personal side, my phone, 100%. I think I would die without it. Um <laughs> For work, definitely my laptop. I, I wouldn't be able to do any any work without it. So that's no question asked. Okay. So if you had to share one PC with somebody who just watched the little green button going on, on and off, that would frustrate you, I presume. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're lucky you've joined in 2020 because, you know, looking back at Dave's time, Sarah's time, and even Steve's time, you wouldn't have had the technology we take for granted today, really. Oh. Um yeah. You're very much the future of SES. No pressure, by the way, but you're very much the future of SES. Um, what do you reckon your ambitions are for you and for the business? Where, you know, are we, have we got another 60 years to celebrate and you'll be the longest serving replacement for Dave Stryer in 60 years? I won't be here, I don't think, but let's see. What, what do you view? On? You <laughs> no, what I hope you view? so. Yeah? What do you view yeah. on the business then? How does it feel to you as someone new? Does it feel like a confident place to be? Yeah. Definitely, definitely. I think I love my position at the moment um, and the roles that we do. I just want to excel in that and then see how it goes. Okay. What you want to do is apply for a supervisor electrician <laughs> job that you're not qualified for and then you'll be the MD in about 20 years. Um, I'm going to ask you, I think you've got a really good opportunity, not necessarily responsibility, but you can influence positively people looking at the the sector Emily in construction and as as a young woman in that sector as well because it's quite heavily male orientated and dominated still what would you say to somebody who you know your mates in the pub when you're allowed to go back in the pub about the sector or the industry how would you encourage someone to even consider it as a, as a career option go for it definitely um I think I never knew before I got into the industry um, and I think a lot of people aren't aware it's not just muddy boots in a construction site there's this massive team behind the scenes um, and it's so interesting because there's so many different skills and it it's fab like I say it's not just muddy boots and there's so much more to it. I think there's a bit of work to do still. I know SES do a lot of work with, you know, going out to schools when you're allowed to and and presenting, you know, what an apprenticeship might look like and what career options are. 
Um, but I also think, you know, from a gender point of view, you've got a lot of really sort of successful, uh, you know, women and young women, particularly as well, who are doing really well in the business. And, and you know, I'd like to see that continue being a, a theme for the business. So, so um, you know, no, no, no responsibilities right down to you, Megan, really. We'll go on that one. Um, I'm going to talk about the music charts because they don't exist anymore. haven't existed since 20... My research said we don't do the charts anymore. I haven't done them since 2017. It's all based on downloads now. So I'm going to ask you um, if you know what the most downloaded track of last year was in the UK for... Um, in, in, terms of, in terms of popular music, what would you say is the most downloaded track? Do you know what it was? I think so. Um, there's a fair few to be fair because um, TikTok just like took over last year and it made so many songs viral. Right. Um, but I would have to say the weekend. Blinding lights is that it? Yes. Yeah. That's good because that's what's on my phone. So that's going to. I'm going to play you <laughs> blinding light. I didn't know I knew this until I played the first intro a bit. So he's what was number one download last year, uh, the year that Megan started. That's enough of that. I really like that, actually, to be fair. Um, has that been on loads of adverts as well, Megan? It feels like it's got advert music. Yeah. yeah. With it. That's why you've probably heard it as much, yeah? Or I have, because I don't listen to uh, downloaded capital radio type stuff. I'm going to finish with a question for each of you. And I think hopefully it's been a, a, an insight into SES, the world that you operated in, how the environment was, the workplace, et cetera, et cetera. I've had a bit of fun with it as well. I'm going to go back to Dave. Um, what, was there a a moment in time, Dave, when you realised that SES was your long-term career path? Was there a specific something that happened or was it just something that crept up on you and you realised that you're going to be, you know, catch by surprise, I'm going to be here for 47 years? I've never really realised it just year year on year just, it, it flew by, it's flown by, I've enjoyed it um, by and large. Um, worked with a great bunch of people, had some great times, had some Sad times, but some good fun times. I could tell you a few tales, but probably they probably wouldn't be published. But um, we used to have some good fun. Uh, one fella that that uh, Steve mentioned earlier, Clive. We used to play some rotten tricks on Clive, but um, I won't I won't say anything. You know. Well, to be fair, to be fair, your audience will probably enjoy them, but we might not get it published on the internet. <laughs> That's uh, what I was thinking. <laughs> so, okay, Sarah. No. 38 years in one company, great, mm. to, great achievement, great success. Um, what would you say your personal highlights have been along the way? What are you most proud of in that 38 years? Quite a hard question, really, because nobody likes mm. gloating about what they've done. But give us, give us a few high points for Sarah Jones. Um, I think leaving York, um, I left York when I met my husband and moved down to Windsor when we, SES, SES had a, an office in Windsor, mm. um, spent eight. Uh, really good years as office manager down there mm. um, and then came back to York um, in 2004 into the personnel department as it was then mm. um, and I think I think the, the the one thing that I'm really proud of is is going back to school um, when I was 40 you know mm. and going back to university um, getting my degree in HR 
um, and obviously, you know, getting to where I am today as a HR business partner. So I think I, I remember you doing that, and it's a hell of a, an achievement, but it's also a hell of a commitment, isn't it? That's you know, doing a degree part time and, and working, but also it's not a, it's, it's a tough ask the HR degree as well. So I remember you doing that. I was working with you more closely, I guess, on a learning and development side of things at that time. I remember, you know, you're off to. I'm, I'm going I'm going to college tonight I'm going to you know I'm studying yeah. tonight whatever you and you're constantly under sort of work pressure and, and, and study pressure that's a great achievement so well done on that Sarah okay thank Final you question for Steve a bit like a bit uh, like uh, Dave's really moment in time when you realize that you know what I think I could run this and take this forward and and and, and I want to get on the senior leadership team and I want to see where that goes was there a, was there a catalyst for that at all Steve yeah, I think there was. It probably was about 15 years ago. We, had to do a, we all had to do a presentation as part of it. Um, it was like a, a development program in the business about, you know, what you've been doing in the business, how you made the business work. And I started off um, the presentation that I, that I was doing by saying, I know all of you guys in the audience think this business is yours, but it's not. It's mine. And it's mine because everything that we've done, that, that's happened to it. Um, up to date, I've had some involvement in it and everything that's going to happen in the future is going to be driven from some of the decisions I'm going to make. Um, and and it, that was the catalyst, I think, because a lot of people came after that and said it was really brave of you to say that because some people could have took that as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a negative rather than a positive. But mm. I did feel that. And I feel like every penny of it, every penny that gets spent is out of my pocket and everything that happens is my responsibility. So I've always owned it, I think, from, from for the last 15 years, that's for certain. Well, I, I would I would say 15 years and beyond that the, the business is in good hands with that attitude as well, Steve. So, you know, I genuinely think that someone who runs the business and looks after it as if it's their own, you know, is 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 worthy of, 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 of merit and 27 years and counting, Steve. So that's, again, you know, well worthy of, of, of recognition. And again, last but not least, Megan, you're part of the future, really, of SES, I guess. And um, I'm going to ask you a question, a bit of like stargazing into the future, really. What do you reckon? What do you reckon the office of the future might look like in terms of what technology do you hope we'll have in place, or you know, routinely using maybe in the next ten years? It's a bit like asking you what you know what the future looks like, I guess. But what's your view on where we might go and what you'd love to see happen? Um, I definitely think we will take on board um, the fact, I think the pandemic's shown that we don't need to stick to the nine till five traditional um, office office lifestyle. Yeah. Um, I personally work way better um, alone in the house with no distractions. I know that being in the office can have its social sides and, you know, still interacting with your colleagues and some people don't have the space um, to work from home but yeah. I think if you've got the option to I think that will get introduced and become the new norm because mm. not only that but it, it really helps the environment less travel um so that's a good point um but I think virtual reality is gonna take over I think I think that's gonna develop massively I think going back to what you said about, I think it's going to be a hybrid, isn't there? About, you know, you, you, there's, there's a space for you in the office with a hot desk. Yeah. With work effect. And I think the commute 
the, 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 the grind at sort of half seven to half eight with everybody else in the same lane is going to mm-hmm. probably be a thing that's reduced because people are going to work from home and then maybe go into the office at 10 or whatever that yeah. kind of stuff. So I think we'll see a very different... And, and somebody said that the pandemic has um, increased our digital capability by five years in less than sort of nine months. And that's got to have a, a positive impact on the business as well, which is good. So I'm just going to finish with a little holding screen to a little celebration screen on the... Um, on on the um the powerpoint slide and just to say look you have been absolutely fantastic guests we've had a a little bit of a trawl through memory lane we've looked at things that are you know we take for granted now that we didn't even have going back all those years and even not that long ago and we've looked at the future a little bit with megan as well so all that remains for me to say is thank you for being fantastic guests thank you for helping celebrate 60 years and counting now with ses 19th of April 1961 to 19th of April 2021. It's fair to say that if we hadn't been in a pandemic, I think Steve would have had plans to do something, you know, quite significant to celebrate. But uh, for now, you'll have to just put up with this podcast. So thank you for being brilliant guests. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.